Pickaxe. Folks, welcome to Dungeons and Randomness. Since 2012, myself and an amazing cast of 18 have been telling stories in our homebrew world of Theria. Four different groups explore lost ruins, run for political office, rage against a mad king, set sail to long forgotten islands, and so much more. Every group has a different story and flavor, and every season or arc has a new set of groups and stories all building the history of our world with every single session. Literally hundreds of hours of stories are waiting for you as part of the Pickaxe Network. Check out Dungeons & Randomness wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you around the table. We're all doomed. Doomed, I tell you. Where's that from? Friday the 13th. Yes. It's got a death curse. You're all doomed if you stay here. Well, okay, so welcome everyone to another episode of VGMP. I am Rory Justin, your host for this evening uh, from Cyberpunk Studios. And joining me today, as per usual, I don't know why I've started saying today, I do it every time, uh, is Jamie Evans, my friend from Impala Films. Say hello, Jamie. Hello. So do you know how Doom the video game got its name? No, I actually don't. It's because of Tom Cruise. Right. So there's a film where he plays a pool player. Uh, Days of Thunder. No, that's where he plays a race car driver. Uh, There's one where, I think it's Cocktail. Oh, is he a pool playing Cocktail? I don't know. I thought he was a bartender in Cocktail. Yeah, but I mean, that's where he plays pool. Right, okay. I don't know. There's a film where he plays fucking pool, whatever it is, or snooker, whatever they call it in America. Anyway, so he's playing pool. John Carmack is the man who created Doom. He was watching this film, and there's a scene where, basically, Tom Cruise is challenged to play a game of pool, or he challenges someone else, and he opens up this box that he's brought with him, and inside is his own... You know how they do that in American films at the time, where he's got his own um, cue stick... He's brought with him. Yeah. Uh, in Will Smith's uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, his uncle Phil had one of them. Jeffrey? Break out, Lucille. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it, they basically had a similar thing with this, but instead, the guy goes, What you got in there? In here? He opens it up and shows him that it's his own pool cue, and Tom Cruise just smiles and goes, Doom. The guy's like, Doom is the name of the game that I'm making now, taking that line. So that is literally how Doom, the video game series, got its name. Fantastic. Uh, So, uh, I mean, we watched the feature film from 2006. There is a sequel, which we haven't seen yet, a loose sequel. Uh, Apparently it's direct-to-DVD, so, you know, it's going to be a very good movie, whereas at least this had a cinema run. Uh, I'm going to read the back of the box, and then we shall continue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Excuse me while I become American. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure you can with that cough? I've got Rockstar Energy Drink Hardcore Apple. Maybe that'll help. No, Rockstar make Grand Theft Auto, not Doom. But we all just want to be big rock stars with Hardcore Apple in the can with... Killing Hellspawn demons and wreck 15 cars. No, no, killing Hellspawn demons while we're out on Mars. Yep, yep. Love it. Uh, sorry, anyway, the back of the box. A frantic call for help from a remote research station on Mars sends a team of mercenary marines into action. Led by The Rock and Carl Urban, they descend into the Ulduvai research station, where they find a legion of nightmarish creatures lurking in the darkness, killing at will. Will! 
Once there, the Marines must use an arsenal of firepower to carry out their mission. Nothing gets out alive. Based on the hugely popular video game, Doom is an explosive, action-packed thrill ride. It's a good game, Doom. It is a good game. You played Doom? Yes, I've played Doom. I've played Doom many times. Uh, Doom 2 I haven't played so much, and I need to. Cause I've got Doom. it, and I've not played that much in it either. You're right. Yeah, it, I, I mean... And I've never played Doom 3, even though I've got it. I've never played Doom 3 either. Um, though Doom 3 has a lot more in common with this film. Uh, so this film took a lot from Doom 3, including one of the enemies yeah. that appears once. is definitely from Doom 3, called the Pinky Demon. So let's get on with with, with the show. Doom. Carl Urban and the Rock. Uh, yeah, back, this is back before he was Dwayne Johnson. I noticed in the end credits he is credited as The Rock. Indeed. This was one of his first uh, sort of big feature forays, I think, where mm. he was himself. Like, he'd appeared on certain things. So he was in Star Trek Voyager as The Rock. Um, was he? Yeah, he fights Seven of Nine in a wrestling match on an really? alien world. Yeah, he's an alien wrestler. Wow. Yeah, so that, you wanted a reason to watch Star Trek. Well, by the time yeah. you get to Voyager, you've got The Rock. That sounds in terrible. <laughs> it's not great. Obviously, uh, he got his big break playing the Scorpion King in The Mummy Returns. No, he was in Voyager. That wasn't his big break, though. <laughs> Let's be clear. No, his big break was when he was in Tooth Doom <laughs> in 2006. <laughs> no, so to be fair to Carl, uh, not to Carl, um, to um, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, uh, when he went in for this film, he was basically instantly given the role of Reaper, which is played by Carl Urban in this film. And they went, basically, we want you to play the main hero because, you know, you're the, you're the man. Yeah, you're the rock. Well, who, why else would we cast anyone else? But he actually, and I think this was a positive move because I think Carl Urban is brilliant in the role he plays, as is The Rock. To, uh, to, I know you might have differing opinions on that, but I think The Rock is perfectly cast as Sarge, who is, ends up being the psychotic main villain even though at the start he's working with carl urban um and he chose the role of sarge himself he went actually i want to play sarge because it looks like a more interesting part so uh, props to the rock because he was right it's you know he he looked at the script and went actually i want to play that part that part looks more interesting rather than going i just want to be the lead so i give major props to to, uh, dwayne johnson for that because most people Certainly, certainly muscle-bound sort of action hero sort of thing. Like most of that fair, they generally tend to have this ego about them, where they're like, "No, I'll only play the main hero." You know, we 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 know a lot of martial arts action stars that have done that. You know, Steven Seagal never plays a villain, and um, Van Damme has recently with things like Expendables Two. But he, there was a time where he refused to play a villain. Yeah, uh, I've, I've never known why, because playing villains is so much fun. Well, the irony is, you remember Demolition Man. <laughs> That's Sylvester Stallone versus... Um, Snipes. Yeah, Wesley Snipes. Originally, that was meant to be Steven Seagal versus Jean-Claude Van Damme. Right. But neither wanted to be the villain. Yeah. And I'm like, but Simon Phoenix so, is ultimately the so better part. So they made the black man the villain. I'll <laughs> be so good. He's yeah, pro- he is. No, Wesley Snipes is great in that film. Uh, to me, that's, I know most people prefer Blade, but Demolition Man is Wesley Snipes' best role, in oh. my opinion. He's just so fun. Um, but I couldn't imagine it as Steven Seagal versus Van Damme. No matter which way round, they went with hero versus villain. Um, but yeah, egos get in the way. And to be fair to uh, Dwayne Johnson, he didn't let that happen. He was like, that looks more interesting to me. I'd rather play the villain if it's got the character development that I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, 
So big up. And this is the first film I ever saw where I recognised Carl Urban. Yeah, I think this I'd is seen... quite early in his career, I think. Yeah, 2006, wasn't it? So 2005, 2006. I think he had been uh, the main villain in The Chronicles of Riddick before this. Okay. Which I had seen, but I didn't find him particularly memorable in it as such. He still wasn't a big mega name as he is now. But when I watched Doom... I legitimately, by the point we got to the first-person shooter segment, and we'll get to that eventually because I love that bit, um, but by the time we got there, I really felt Carl Urban not only ruled the screen with his charisma alongside The Rock, and that's a hard person to catch up with. You know, The Rock is immediately fucking magnetic with his personality. The fact that Carl Urban matched him, in my opinion. I was like, Carl Urban's something special. And I was like, that guy's going to be a big star. uh, That was the very few times that I watch a film and I go, that guy's going to be a big star from this one role. But no one... Certainly with the dumbassery of Doom. But actually, I was like, no, that guy rocks. But no one had the common sense to see Dread. I love Dread. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Dread's a good film. Yeah. Um, and it deserved a sequel, but we don't get one because no one watched it. Because oh, so everyone everyone thought it was going to be like this. That was relatively one. low budget. Again, it's yeah. one of those things where the lower budget, they had to be more intelligent about how they used the script and how they used that budget. Yeah. And it created a better film. Yeah, but I agree. It's such a shame. Uh, but yeah, Carl Urban is a legend. Um, his Dr. McCoy, while I don't think the script did him a lot of justice, his performance was fantastic. Is it? Yeah, as in Star Trek 2009 and like the the three J.J. Abrams reboot stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I don't reckon... Certainly the first two I hate on those films, but Carl Urban's performance is undeniably good. And in fact, Leonard Nimoy said that when he saw Carl Urban's performance and you know saw Carl Urban performing as... Uh, McCoy, he cried because the first TOS actor who died was DeForest, um, DeForest Kelly. Kelly, and he said he he could see DeForest Kelly in his performance, and he felt really moved. And I was like, yeah, I get that, you know that. And Carl Urban, like, if you were to ever watch those films after watching the original series, you'll see what I mean. Yeah. It's quite a good homage performance. Um, but yeah, yeah so that's... obviously most famous now for being the star of The Boys on Amazon. Oh, really? Carl Urban, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I haven't I, watched The Boys. So. I haven't watched it yet, but uh, our friend and colleague, Benton, <coughs> uh, raves about it. It's one of his favourite TV shows. He says it's brilliant. So what Especially for people that... who are fed up of superhero films, because it, it's basically a deconstruction of the superhero genre. Right. So uh, what you're saying is that Benton really likes watching The Boys. You said it, not me. We've passed it. Let, let's both just offend Benton. No, let's move past it. Oh, okay, all right. Love you, Benton. Let's talk about Doom. 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 So let's start, Doom. right? Doom. So this is a this is an enjoyable film. I'm not sure if it's a good film. It's an enjoyable film. I don't get bored out of my mind watching it, nope. but it's also one of those films that I don't have to pay a lot of attention to. I can just put it on in the background and do something else. What it is not is a super faithful recreation of Doom. No. It feels more like a generic but fun sci-fi action film that's exactly what it is yeah i'd yeah. agree with you on that um in fact as we go through there's a lot of se- even the first but there's a there's a, a famous first person shooter sequence in this which is kind of a bit marmite some people love it some yeah i was surprised because I've, I've always liked it and i'm surprised to find how many people hate that bit yeah which I, I, but like i think it. i know why is because and we'll get to it when we get there but for me it feels more house of the dead than doom mm. the concept i think is phenomenal and brilliantly executed but the 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 tone of it because no. of the re- because it's got a matching with the rest of the film it comes across a little bit too much 
too cheesy, like yeah. a haunted house, rather than feeling like you're actually watching Doom in real life. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that starts with, as you say, the premise. This is a sci-fi um, action film, and it feels like a generic sci-fi action film. The set, whereas Doom itself, while it started off in like you know a generic sci-fi, you know you're in a on a Mars facility and it's all metal walls and all this stuff. The whole idea is that Mars itself is literally hell. Yeah. That's where Satan and all his demons live. And so essentially, while you're on the surface of Mars, you the world decays more and more into being literal hell. That never happens in this film. So if it started off the way it starts and then devolved into actual hell that and more gothic architecture, that would have worked a lot yeah. better. But the, if, if you're looking for gothic architecture, Doom ain't it. No. The, the, not the film, at least. No, they're, they're, they're not even demons in this, are they? It's an infection. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah so it's, it's got a slight of Resident Evil injected into it, probably because that was a very popular yeah, film. Probably. In what, two, uh, 2002. About yeah, uh, actually, out of curiosity, can I just look at the DVD? Yeah. Uh, sorry, the Blu-ray. What studio did Doom. <laughs> what didn't Diddy Doom? Uh, it doesn't seem to say on here. Universal. Also, it's not so because I was wondering. Cause I don't know why I, I just remembered mm. it's Universal. Oh right? yes, of course, because I was gonna. Yeah. I was gonna point out. Actually, yes, this is one of the films. Every now and again, a film, could, but they usually do it for bigger films. Mm. Every now and again, a film will let you alter their logo at the start of the film, yes. and they let them do it for Doom. The, yeah, when the globe the spins race. around, it's Mars. Yeah, and which is a shame because that's like okay, that's giving me the aesthetic that we're going to hell. But mm. it never gets there in the actual film itself. It's a, yeah. r- a real shame. Yeah, fair warning to fans of the game. You are not going to see any cyber demon or the big brain spider thing no, in this no. film. There are uh, apparently... It's, more, it's, it's smaller, which might be due to budget constraints. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it, it doesn't look like it had a particularly high budget. Um, no, it's nearly all filmed on a studio set, you can tell. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if, I think it's actually all on a studio set. I can't see anything in there that I would immediately go, that's... I don't even the ending, even the ending just takes place in an elevator and cut. Yeah, I there's don't think no, there's any outdoor scenes, is there? There's one, but I'm pretty certain it's green screen, and that's when they arrive at the Ark, which is quite early on in the film, because that's before they get to Mars. And they're outside, it looks like they're on a sort of rooftopy sort of thing, and there's a night sky behind them, but it does look a bit slapped on. So I'm pretty certain that's all green screen as well. So it was all studio. Um, I don't think they hired a, a city skyscraper to stand in. Um, now, I'm going to do the intro bit for a sec. It states in the intro crawl that in 2026, so that's only four years from now, scientists discover a portal to Mars, uh, which is what they call the Ark. It's this like silvery ball that allows you to transport between Earth and Mars. Nobody knows... Who built the Ark, and why it was built, or where they are now? Elon they Musk know. built it. Elon Musk, maybe, but apparently, according to us, in 2026, we don't know. That's in 2026. However, apparently the bulk of the film takes place about 40 years after that. In No, no, in 2046, so it's 20 years later. So there's been 20 years of the Ark being known to us, uh, but we, we jump in with the Marines in 2046. Now, in 2046, to be fair, it doesn't make that clear at the start. It tells you in 2026, the scientists discover the port to Mars, and it's later on in the film where it suggests that it's 2046 instead. Um, but yeah, so the science, there's, we see a bunch of scientists running and screaming down corridors. It's very standard low-budget fare. This, this intro is really low-budget indie trash, really. They're running to... Ah! Running through the streets, streets, through the corridors of this uh, facility, 
Uh, as unforeseen things chase them, grab them, and pull them into the darkness. We don't see any of the villains doing this yet. This, you know, it's all there for the for the scare. Um, there's a Doctor Carmack, which is a reference to John Carmack, the creator of Doom, uh, and the lead coder of it. He is nearly at this. Uh, there's basically a med lab area that becomes like the main base of operations later on in the film. Uh, he's running there, and there's a what they call a nano wall. Uh, Oh, no, it's not even there. He's got a room, hasn't he, where, with doors. It's actually doors in this one, isn't it? Mm. So he runs into this office, and he starts tapping on this keypad to close the doors to save himself. The woman's running up behind him going, Dr. Carmack, Dr. Carmack, hold the doors, Dr. Carmack. And he doesn't. He just presses the buttons. Her arm gets caught in the doors and cuts off, is cut off. And then you just hear her, sound, sounds like she's getting mauled or something through the other side of the door. Squishy. Yeah, and he makes basically uh, a, a log that I'm guessing he's sent to Earth, which is something's gone wrong, blah, 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 blah. And it's just basically exposition download. Something's gone wrong on Ulduvai. Uh, we need help. We need this, blah, 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 blah. We then cut to The Rock sitting in his, uh, I'm just going to call him The Rock throughout this. His name is Sarge. Uh, sitting in a, in his office. What uh, being told orders basically through the screen by someone above him. He is topless, and we see Semper Fire is tattooed on the upper half of his back. Uh, and I, I've put here the rock is noticeably human sized. Yes, this is before. I mean, he's still a big bloke. Oh but yeah, he's not weed before, by any stretch of the imagination. Bef- this is not long. This is not too long after I think he left WWE. Uh, and famously, The Rock was not as big in WWE as he is now. No, he's like super he's gigantic now. now. Some he's- some would say steroids, but we're not we're not judging. I mean, whether it be steroids or not, the man has an incredible physique, and he, he's but he is noticeably way bigger now than yeah, he yeah, was. Way this way film. bigger, yeah. In this, when I say human-sized, it's because he isn't, like, all rippling anime muscles like he is now. He is big, he is muscular, he is jacked, but he is not... He's not Tetsuo. Uh, So, one of his men... uh, So, it then cuts to his men. He he gets his orders that he needs to go to Alderweire with his his crew. And then we cut to the crew. Now, I'm going to give a breakdown of the crew. However, Duke, one of the crew, is sitting on a on a bed and he's playing like this old LCD game. Yeah. And that is actually a nineties doom LCD game, I believe by tiger electronics. Oh, so that's actually a prop from the nineties for the tiger game com. Uh, no, not for the tiger game com. Ti- that's not even the same tiger who make the right. LCD games. It, that's how weird the flipping logistics of the tiger game com are. Um, but yeah, no, there was a company called tiger that made like, you put, I've got a couple there. Of, they're not by Tiger, though, those ones. Uh, a Star Trek and a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. You put in two AA batteries, mm. and they're just basically preset animated areas of LCD. Oh, I had, a, I had a couple of those as a kid. Yeah, so it's basically that, but for Doom. Um, I don't know how it would have worked, because I never played it myself, but yeah. I just recognised the plastic yeah. exterior. Um, so, yeah, so here's the rundown. We've got um, Portman, who is played by... Richard Brake. So uh, some listeners might know Richard Brake from being a frequent collaborator with Mr. Rob Zombie uh, in films like 31 and Three From Hell. Yes. Uh, And he plays the filthy guy in this. Yeah, I I was going to wait till you'd broken more down to talk about it, but I can do them as we go if you want. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, Richard Brake is standard Richard Brake in this. Yeah. Uh, Like, it it is almost the exact same character he plays in everything. He's just... 
greasy yeah. and scummy uh, and the, the kind of character where you want him to die. Yeah, he's playing the guy you want to die. And he, he's, he states at this point he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt because mm. they're all about, apparently, about to go on vacation from having done a really hard grift of work as yeah. Marines. Yeah, so they've, not, they've not had a vacation in a long time. This yeah, day, so they? they're look, all looking forward to their downtime, and he states specifically he's going on holiday to Thailand, and he's going to be buying a bottle of vodka and locking himself in a room with, I believe, three lady boys. I think it's tequila, it. but yeah. Tequila, okay, yeah. But he, he mentions... That's not the important part. <laughs> the la- no, no, the lady boys bit is... I'm going down to El Hanta and I lock myself in a motel room with a bottle of tequila and three she-boys. <laughs> you sick, man. Is that is that representation, or is that... Well, no, um, they're not in the film. No, I suppose. But we don't judge. You want but, to sleep with lady boys? But here's boys? the thing. No, no one really... Oh, no, someone does call him disgusting, but it is the religious guy, so we, yeah. you can sort of see and whether or not if, you view that. If I'm remembering correctly... He stands out from all the other Marines because everyone else is dressed in, like, blacks and greys and things like that, aren't they? In yeah, and scene. he's in this bright blue Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, he looks really weird. Like, he really stands out in the scene, doesn't he? Which I he? think is the idea, because he's the, the established... Ca- he's one of... Each character has sort of a personality, apart from maybe Destroyer, but they, they, they're they all kind of generic. Yeah, it's very stock. Yeah. It's, you're the religious guy, you're the scummy guy. Yeah. Um, they could have given a bit more inventive designs, the, I think. The, the only one, other than Reaper, obviously, who is more of a character, Carl Urban, the yeah. only other one who I thought approach to being more of a character was duke uh he's got some yes. in- he's got some interesting flirty banter later on yeah so we've got so we've got richard breakers portman who is your standard greasy dirty guy um i'm gonna meet the lady boys etc we've got sarge's being played by the rock who's their boss and leader apparently his character is a homage to master sergeant thomas kelly from doom 3 oh, okay so again i've not played doom 3 but apparently he is a reference to that as Sarge. There's John Grimm, also known as Reaper for most of this film, who is played by Carl Urban. And Rosamund Pike is... She's in a lot of stuff. She got a big break. This is pre-Gone Girl, isn't this it? This is way pre-Gone Girl. It's about eight years before Gone no, Girl. No, Yes, it is. 2006, and Gone Girl, I believe, was 2014. No, I was at uni when Gone Girl came out. I'm sure. I'm pretty certain oh. it's 2014. Oh. I could be wrong. That's all right. Um, Let me do a quick Google. Yeah, yeah, do a quick uh, Google. Because I am fairly certain I was at uni when Gone Girl came out. But to be fair, Rosamund Pike is one of those actresses who's been in shitloads. I like, I'm in a bucket load mm. of really interesting, different sci-fi yeah. pieces and never gets recognition for it. I believe she's in Gamer as well, but I know she's in Surrogates. She's well, in that's fudgy, you're right, it's 2014. Yeah, so it's eight years difference. Bloody hell, I'd le- I would have left uni then. Yeah. So, you've, but yeah, so Rosamund Pike is, um, yeah, she's been in a lot of sort of lower budget and sort of known but not massive sci-fi, and she never really got the recognition of it until, like, her main recognition really, as you say, comes from Gone Girl and be, playing that female psycho role, which is now kind of the archetype she's given because of that film. Uh, but yeah, she plays Samantha Grimm, which is um, Carl Urban's sister, essentially, in this film. There's the kid, played by Al Weaver, and he's basically... He doesn't seem to fit in in reality when you give it some thought. He's the new kid, so they literally call him The Kid, because it's his first ever mission. 
He's very young. Uh, he's not particularly hench or built. You know, he's quite a weedy guy. Um, and it's his, he's nervous. He's the one who's just like, oh, it does, uh, and he's all shaky. And the other, certainly Portman keeps trying to say things to fuck him up. But yeah, the bit that doesn't make sense with the kid is that it's his first mission, fine. But it's literally like he's the most green soldier in the universe. He's never been on any mission before. And surely to be in a, a top-end Marine Corps... You'd have at least had to have been a military officer first and worked your way up. It's like you don't get into the SAS in England and your first mission in the SAS is the first mission you've ever been on. You have to work your way into the SAS by being an exceptional soldier, showing, you know, some gallantry in something. And then, you, you know, the SAS is a step up, so you'd still be nervous, but you'd still be an experienced soldier first. But yeah, the kid is not. It's his first time having gone anywhere. Um, then you've got Duke, played by Razak Adoti. I believe I'm saying that. I'm probably butchering his name there. Uh, so I apologize. And that's the guy you were talking about. Um, a younger black guy who is, it, it turns out over the course of the film, his sort of main thing is he's got the hots for Rosamund Pike's character. Um, but he's quite cool. He's got a cool personality to him. Uh, he's at least memorable. Yeah. somewhat uh you've got goat played by ben daniels and he is as we say the religious guy slightly older than the rest um and he, basically everything he talks about is related to you know he's a biblical guy there's a bit which is a kind of very occult like later on where he says god damn it and then because he took the lord's name in vain he cuts into his arm yeah. and he just goes it's because i took his name in vain you know he's that sort of a guy there's a guy called Destroyer, played by Diobia Operaia. Again, I'm from butchering that name. I apologize. Destroyer is the character that I felt sort of a bit most sorry for. He's He dies a bit later on. He's one of the first deaths from the group. But he's not memorable as a character. They do, He doesn't really have a character. He's just like the generic, decent guy who dies first. Um, which is a bit of a shame because it would have been nice to, as you say, round out the characters a little bit more than just going, right, well, we need the sleeves, we need the hard ass, we need the religious, we need, you know. It was very much they got stuck with a label and just ran with it. Um, and then later on, no, not, not as part of the crew, there's a character called Pinky, played by Dexter Fletcher. Uh, now, and he play, he's a guy who's in a wheelchair. We'll come to him in a bit. He's not in this first scene. Uh, and... Pink, Dexter Fletcher, for anyone in the UK, was uh, the host of the third season of Games Master. Uh, he took over from Dominic Diamond for a season, and then, because he wasn't particularly great as that, he got replaced with Dominic Diamond again in season right. four. Um, so I knew Dexter Fletcher because of that. But yeah, so it's interesting that Dexter Fletcher has a little bit more connection with video game movies. The Rock does now as well. At this time, this was the first foray he'd ever done into it, but now he's done quite a few. Um, he's done the two new Jumanji films, where Jumanji is now a video game rather than a board game. He's oh, also Rampage. done Rampage, which is based on an arcade, three-player arcade game. Um, yeah, he's done a few things, and I think he's going to continue making them because he loves video games. Uh, not that his video game movies are particularly brilliant, although I haven't seen Rampage yet. I've got it, but I haven't seen it yet. So Portman has a line here. You know, kid, it's funny. A couple days ago, I asked Sarge for a little pussy. And the next day, he brought you onto the team. That tells you everything you need to know about his character, to be honest. Essentially, the team get told that their plans for holidaying are, out, are being cancelled. They've got an emergency thing. 
at Aldevoir, so they need to go to the Ark to transport up to Mars. While they're at, uh, and but while they're doing this, um, Sarge tries to tell Reaper not to go because I think he mentions at this point. We don't get the details, but I think we know that something happened in Reaper's past at Aldevoir. Yeah, uh, but I don't think we get told what it is yet, do we? I don't think we ever get told what it is. Not fully, do we? So we never really find out what the big deal is, though we get a little more information as yeah. it goes on. However, is re- it meant to be? Sorry, you know the bit at the beginning where we saw the scientists running, yeah, and uh, we didn't see what was killing them. Is that meant to be a flashback to what Reaper and his sister went through? No, is that meant to be their parents dying? No, it's got Doctor Carmack on it and the woman's arm. So that's literally just happened, right? Um, the woman's arm comes back later on in the film. Yeah. Reaper demands that he goes anyway, because he's like, you can't do this to me, you know, I need to be there with the team. And he says to himself, I guess you got to face your demons sometime. Bear in mind, there's no demons in this uh, version of Doom. That's a bad line. Yeah. I know The Rock says to him, he says, uh, when he says stay home, he says, is that an order? And The Rock says, no, that's a recommendation. And Carl Urban, you know, we linger on him for a minute while he thinks about it. It's like, if it's a recommendation, we know what he's going to choose. And he, of course, chooses to go with them. Yep. So they then get transported over to the The Ark, which is the facility that's been built around the portal that they discovered in 2026, did we say? That's it, yep. Um, And is is it this end they meet Dexter Fletcher, or is it the other end? The other end. So they they travel through the portal uh, and arrive at Olduvai on Mars. Yep. And this is where we meet Dexter Fletcher, who plays Pinky, who is a scientist engineer type guy who is half a torso. So he's from the waist up and his legs are attached uh, where his legs should be. He's got a kind of unique looking mechanized wheelchair that helps him get around. And he reveals that he actually lost his legs in a transporter accident. Yeah, he says Uh, it's a lot more solid now than it used to be. There was a time when our travel was susceptible to Let's say major turbulence. What does he mean? He means he went to one galaxy, his ass went to another. You get a random, um, you get a random cutaway of just a pair of legs flopping out of the arc. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah, just a random pair of legs just flopping. I don't remember that. Okay, fair enough. Down the arc. Yeah, I've always remembered that shot. So basically, we now meet Samantha Grimm, which is Rosamund Pike, yep. who is the sister of. Uh, Reaper, but I do have, I've always had a bit of a problem with this scene, which is they try to deliberately mislead the audience at first into thinking that their boyfriend and girlfriend or ex-lovers. Yeah, uh, neither of it works because there's no real chemistry anyway between Rosamund Pike and Carl Urban. There isn't, no. Um, and then... If it'd been a bit of a heat, maybe, yeah. you could understand the confusion. And but... then Duke makes a comment, like a sexual comment, and that's when Reaper's like, Bro, she's my sister, or whatever. I'll write the quote down. Tell me you didn't let a fine-looking piece of ass like that get away from you, Reaper. She's my sister. No shit. Yeah. But the scene they've done just before that, like the lines before that, do suggest. Like I thought they were, and I've seen right. the film before. Right. And shit. I was like, oh, she's his ex. Yeah, that makes sense. And then I was like, oh no. <laughs> um. So at this point, uh, Goat, who is our religious pastoral 
uh, Marine. He finds some odd genetic babies in test tubes in the genetics lab, and Portman finds a bunch of caged animals in another lab, whilst Kid and Destroyer, they find ripped and bloody clothing, and it becomes very clear that, obviously, something very bad happened here. Absolutely. Um, Samantha tells them that she needs 30 minutes to download all of the... Uh, data that the company wants to preserve and this causes a bit of an argument between the marines because sarge basically hasn't been fully clear with them what their objectives are they seem to think they're just coming to get survivors and they're leaving straight away but then sarge reveals no they actually are there to protect equipment as well and bring data back so they do the thing that you should never do in horror movies and they all split up and Go and Portman go to another room where they find a holding cell with electrified walls down a deep pit. Meanwhile, Sarge finds the BFG. No, not the big friendly giant, but the big fucking gun, yeah. uh, which people who've played Doom will know all about because it's yes. a big fucking gun. Uh, and The Rock is obviously the only one man enough to wield he such a big it fucking yet. gun. It's locked behind a key card, but. True. Um, meanwhile, Duke starts flirting with Samantha, asking if she's single. I actually thought those two had more chemistry than her and Carl Urban did. Uh, their banter actually did make me smile at one point. Which makes um, sense, since they could be a potential couple. It would be weird true. if the brother and sister were he, a potential couple. I can't remember what the line is that he says, but he says a line to her that's clearly like an obvious pickup line. You know, Duke, I bet secretly you have a big heart. Oh, Yeah. And that's not the only secret big thing I got. Little rusty, huh? Oh, lady, you have no idea. Uh, <laughs> Sarge gets a jump scare with a monkey, kills it, touches its blood. Now we start realising that perhaps there's more to Rosamund Pike than we originally thought. By the way, that bit with the monkey blood, I'm pretty certain that's meant to be the start of why he starts going a bit nutty towards the end. Right, I see. It's not the full reason why he gets... Yeah, when we get towards the end, you'll see what I mean. I'm, look, the reason I noted it down, you notice I wrote that in retrospect, is there's a point where Sarge turns a bit more psychotic against his own team, and we will get there. But there seems to be no reason for it, except for maybe he's already being mutated because he's touched that monkey blood. Right, I see. That's my thought so, theory anyway. We then see, uh, we're back with Duke and Samantha, and we see in her lab that she's actually got hu- what look like humanoid remains. Yes. Uh, in particular... Uh, skeletal appear- remains aren't they yes yeah, skeletons uh the the main one that we are shown that's clearly the focus appears to be a mother shielding her child from something yeah like a baby because yeah. uh, there was actually a good line here where they're trying to theorize what might have killed them mm. and i think samantha i think it's samantha says um she theorizes something about it was like neanderthals and their time just ran out and they went yeah. into, and duke says but you don't usually shield a door a baby from time yeah that was it yeah and i actually like that it's a a cheesy line but i like it he's right though you don't shield a baby from time the mother is clearly like holding a hand up to try and move something away yeah like an attacker um and the key thing to know about these (laughs) is basically samantha reveals that she has found when she studied them that these humanoids have an extra chromosome pair compared to normal humans yeah they've got 24 instead of 23 yeah, um, and what she's found is that that extra chromosome caused their cell division to be at an accelerated rate, which essentially means that they they had 
superhuman healing abilities, basically. Yeah. And, and they could heal from damage almost instantaneously. And superhuman strength, and basically just everything was super, mm. even though but she not do all that. she works out, and I can't remember how she works this out. I think maybe they, I think maybe they find some bodies <laughs> that don't have the extra chromosome, and she basically works out that the extra chromosome wasn't a naturally occurring evolution, but was in fact a result of genetic experimentation. Yeah. Because, dear God, I've just realised they're literally making Resident Evil here. Yes. Anyway, I'm wondering calm. if someone wanted to make Resident Evil. This guy probably saw Paul Anderson's garbage and went, I could do that better, but we can't have the rights. Okay, I'll call it Doom and we'll just have big bulky things in. One of them kind of <laughs> You can't say like that Nemesis. about The Rock. Rory, you've actually, you wanted to mention the audio and the surround sound at this point. Yeah. Um, I listened like to it. it. So I've got the Blu-ray in the surround sound. Don't get me wrong. It's bombastic. It's not refined as such. It's not like, the, you know, a showcase piece necessarily, but it's 5.1 DTS HD master audio, which for nerd fans means it's lossless and it does a full surround pan. It's not the same as Dolby Atmos and things like that. It's just an old Blu-ray as well. It's from 2008, I believe this Blu-ray. So 2008. I know, it's, it's weird to say that that's an old disc now. but 14 years ago. Oh, mate, that's insane. But yeah, basically the surround sound mix on this is amazing. Certainly in the action sequences, you hear bullets sparking around you all over the place. Um, so yeah, as far as action sequences are concerned, this film is great for a, a bit of fun, cheesy boom-boom-bang. Yeah. So at this point, we've got to, you know, pump up the tension a little bit. So the film decides to pull a trick that's fairly standard in this type of film, which is, let's introduce a crazed survivor. So the gang come across Dr. Carmack, who is still alive. Uh, you remember he was the guy at the beginning who ran into his office and shut the doors on his friend's arm. Yep. Uh, and he is holding a arm, which uh, I believe is her severed arm. I believe it's her severed arm, because we find something out about that severed arm later. Yeah, so he obviously was a little bit guilty, and he's also torn his own ear off. Yes, um, for no apparent reason other than he's crazy. Yeah, he pulls it off in front of them. Oh, he does it in front of them, does he? Yeah, yeah. So he's got both his ears when they first meet him. While he's sitting there, he's like, <laughs> he's doing like this weird ratty, mm. psychotic breathing stuff while clinging onto this yeah. arm. And then uh, while they're like, someone steps forward. I think it's, um, what's her name? Samantha steps forward and he's just like, Dr. Carmack, it's me. Is everything all right? He's like, <laughs> and then he uses oh. his right arm. And he rips his ear off in front of them. They're like, oh, my God. I think, I think, you know, that doesn't sound familiar. I think that might be the part when I was watching it this morning, I went to get a Pepsi. Oh, okay. At one point. And I Have think you got the unrated edition do you know what i actually don't know so because my version's the unrated so i'm not sure if there's something that, that yeah if yours mm. is unrated then it'll be exactly the same yeah but, um otherwise it might be that there's a couple of things like that that yeah. are different in your version so i just want to talk without making the podcast last too long uh i just want to talk a little bit about the history of scenes like this um there's a long history in horror movies of scenes in which crazed characters mutilate themselves as yes. a way of establishing like things have gone to shit yeah like the these are the stakes um the earliest one i can think of although don't take me at face value for this um is it's a very pivotal pivotal scene in the original texas chainsaw massacre the gang of kids who are all getting on and as far as they're concerned everything's hunky-dory the moment everything goes wrong is a scene similar to this where they pick up a hitchhiker who is clearly crazy and starts cutting his own palms open. Right. Um, so it, it just reminded me of that a little bit. The hitchhiker in Texas, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, voiced in Sonic Over. 
That was it. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was. I, was I, I recall that I had some trivia about that. That I, yeah. yeah. Was, who was he? Was he Knuckles? I think he might have been Knuckles in that. Yeah, I can't remember. It'll be in that episode. If you want to look back at the Sonic OVA um, episode, which is in season one, uh, you'll see. Uh, yeah, there there is at least one actor from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it was the hitchhiker who yeah. does a voice for one of the one or a few of the characters. So He's now, like, we, now we get to a scene that I dislike very much because this is a scene. Oh, but that, I like the sex scene. There isn't a sex scene. I'm joking. Film could have done with a sex scene between who Duke and Rosamund Pike. Oh, I thought you were going to say Carl uh, Urban and the you Rock. You know she was thirsty for some of that dark chocolate. Can you imagine Carl <laughs> Urban and the Rock, some sort of fucking. Uh, what's, it, what's that gay cowboy film? Brokeback Mountain. That's it. Here comes the rock bottom. <laughs> oh no, no! <laughs> oh my god, he just hit him with a rock, rock bottom. bottom. Oh my god! So you're telling me that the rock would be the rock bottom? Yes. Power bottom. I ain't ever yeah. heard of power, power bottom. bottom. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right. So, well, that's us cancelled now, Jamie. Well done, us. How long's it been? Ten years. You chose this, Reaper. I guess you gotta face your demons sometime. Use extreme prejudice and dig in. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I'm not gonna ask you again. Sorry, do you not see what's going on? I didn't on? see shit. I don't need anybody else, and it's not going to be my last. Here's a scene that I'm not a huge fan of, and I'm not a huge fan of it because this is a scene that belongs in a slasher movie with right. dumb teenagers. It does not belong in a film with space marines. And I'll tell you when I I'll tell you I also hate they have a similar scene to this in Prometheus. If you've seen Prometheus, I have. They have a similar scene to this, and it pisses me off in Prometheus as well because it shouldn't be by intelligent people making these decisions. Yeah, right. These hardened marines. Basically, the kid is having a bit of a nervous thing. Now, as you said, yeah. he ought to have had lots more experience before being assigned to this division. Yeah. Um, but he's freaking out, and he decides to ask Portman, who's our greasy weirdo, yes. if he's got any drugs. Oh, blimey, that's course, coming earlier than I remember it, but yeah, you're right. Do you know what, Rory, to absolutely no one's shock... Portman has drugs. Portman's got drugs. Who just saw that coming? Though it's, no, it's never breadcrumbed throughout the rest of the film. It's only introduced in this point. Yeah. They didn't show that he was maybe on drugs earlier, yeah. or no, there's none so of that. He it literally just first comes up and he goes, have you got any? Yeah. Got any what? What? And then he's like all teasy, like, what are you talking See about? What I mean? And then this he is just a, sort of knows. Yeah. And this belongs like, in a slasher film. Yeah. This is one of those scenes, you can imagine them at Camp Crystal Lake being like, you got some pot, dude? Yeah, and the drugs thing doesn't pay off. Like, it's like one scene that happens a bit later between the kid and Carl Urban, which references it, and then it's all forgotten. Yeah. So it's, um, it wasn't necessary to the plot yeah. at all. So he gives the kid some drugs, and that kid goes off to get high as a motherfucker. Mm. Meanwhile, uh, this is the point you were talking about earlier with Goat, the religious nut, yep. uh, cutting himself because he took the Lord's name in vain, man. Yeah. Um, well, he didn't say it like that, but it's no. much more deprim. I took his name in vain. I took his name in vain. I took his name in vain. I took my name in vain. I took his name in vain. I took his name in vain. Oh, yeah. That's the tagline of the Carl Urban Rock porno. I took his name in vain. 
What not? Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> or maybe oh yeah. So here's, here's how it goes. They're doing it. They're doing it. But Carl, Carl Urban's sexual prowess You're is never so good. With these people are we? Carl Urban's sexual prowess is so good that he wears the rock out. The rock can't take anymore. Well, so urban. he reaches for the ropes and he tags in Macho Man Randy Savage from our Power Stone episode. Tie back, from call our, back. So Power Bottom and Power Stone. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Rock and rock and stone. Talking about being stoned, we're back to the kid. What's this? Is where Portman and the kid they find a naked lady. They find a naked lady. Yes, in a laboratory, and uh, she attacks them and they shoot her. So who is that woman? And it's the woman from the intro with no arm. With no arm. Yep, that's how they recognise who she is. Now, why she's suddenly naked? I don't know because she wasn't naked in the intro. Because we needed some gratuitous nudity in this. Yeah, bit. she turns around and Portman and the kid are like, oh yeah. This, this might actually be a difference between our version. I might not have had unrated because I do not remember the woman being naked. So yeah, she's completely buff naked. She turns around and Portman's much. like, oh yeah, we're getting some that tasty action. And uh, she then charges at them like, so they that, shoot her dead. Yeah, I think that might just be your unrated edition. Wow. So you've not seen all of Doom. I think. I'm not sure. You, you should watch we'll all of if, Doom We'll with see me. if there's any more. In po- surround sound. Fuck surround sound. It's for terrible people. No. Um, your sound should come from tinny speakers on the TV like everyone else. You have to constantly turn it up and down between the explosions and the dialogue. DTSD, like master. Yeah, you can't. Here's the thing with surround sound: you can never basically say anything about it without sounding like a right ponce. Like, it's like, guys, you know, you want surround sound. It's English DTS Master HD audio. It's like there's no way of saying that and being cool, is there? It's like that's you're a dick yeah. as soon as you start reading out the stats. So at this point, Doctor Carmack starts freaking out and he starts screaming, "Shut it down! Shut it down! It's inside." We don't know what's inside, but something's inside. No, that doesn't seem to really relate to anything, does it? It's inside, but there's loads of monsters, so what's he fucking on about? Did you just do what I said? Yes, I I chose to ignore (laughs) you, Jamie. That's what what The Rock is screaming when Carl Urban It's it's inside! (laughs) It's bigger than I expected! Why are we making this porno... In, in our minds, Jamie. I don't. You, you've got to admit. I actually don't want this porno in my head, no, Jamie. But you've this got is... to admit, we're talking about porno, and this is suddenly the most energetic episode we've done in a while. Well, it's the most energetic you've been. Suddenly you're all I'm... into it. What you? can I say? I'm a simple man. All we needed was some greasy, sweaty <laughs> man action, and you were straight in there. Um, so then Goat returns to the animal cage room and all the animals have been eaten by a scientist and the scientist attacks him. So we're very Resident evil at this yeah, point. Yes, it's, it's definitely a very Resident Evil based. They feel a lot like zombies, don't they? Yes. Um, meanwhile, Samantha extracts Carmack's blood and realises that he is being mutated. Uh, the rest of the team are chasing a monster into the sewers while she's working on that and Portman gets sucked underwater. Yes. Uh, but they managed to save him, and he says he fell into a hole. Yeah, he went, I fell in the damn hole. Meanwhile, the kid, being the least cool motherfucker on the planet, yep. gives away the game that he's on drugs by rambling at He's rambling Reaper. bullshit, isn't he? He's oh, just man, like, how'd you feel? It's, oh, yeah, I was an only child, too. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And Reaper's just like, let me look at your eyes. Yeah. Let me like, see your eyes. Are you high? And that's the, that's literally the last we hear yeah. about the drugs. Where'd you get those eyes? Yeah. Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Is that from the Jeepers, film, the horror film? creepers, where'd you get those eyes? That song actually came first. Like, that song is old. No, that's I know from, I know it is. Yeah, the song's from, like, the 40s. Is that in the horror film, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good, good. He, pl- he plays it, the creature plays it on an old record player, um, right when he, you know... What, slowly? Re- no, no, he plays it full speed. Really oh, that's jolly. It should have been... No, no, it's brilliant, because... 
says on the on the where'd you get those eyes? He rips dude's eyes out. <laughs> oh, how inventive! Have you you never seen Jeepers Creepers? The first one. Nope. We'll watch it sometime. It's good. The first one. <laughs> Unfortunately, its reputation has been diminished because the director was a uh, a word you're not supposed to say. Well, a word you can say, but we don't want to sully our podcast with it. But it's someone who takes an unnatural interest in children. Oh, um, no. So it has unfortunately sullied the reputation of the film. But the first film is legitimately What's the director's name Victor Salva. No, I haven't heard of him. So, so he heard very quickly. I'm sure he, he's done many other things as well. But he made like, a film for Disney yeah. in the 80s. That's oh. when he touched the kid. Nice. Uh, he did. I don't know. Why I said nice. He I did get that. found guilty, and I believe he went to jail for a while. Right. So he, it's not like he got away with it. Like he got caught. No, no, good. Anyway, he he got back out, and in the late 90s, whatever studio decided to let him have a crack at directing again. And he um, made and, and some people would argue he'd paid his time. Some would argue. There is no paying your time for something like paedophilia. Um, that's just, you know, once you yeah, cross yeah, yeah. that line, you've crossed it. But the first Jeepers Creepers is legitimately fucking brilliant. The sequels are throwaway. Um, but the first one, it was one of the first horror films I saw not long after I saw Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time. Uh, and it, it's legitimately great because it it does the... It follows the golden rule of creature films, which is you don't see the fucking creature for most of the film. Yeah. It's always shown in shadow or glimpse to the point where I, I was halfway through the film before I realized it was a creature yeah. and not a serial killer they were fighting. Nice. Uh, it's really good. I really like Jeepers Creepers. Right. Anyway, well, let's get back to it. Got the, got the bloke from Dodgeball in it. Uh, you know, the boy who wants to be a cheerleader, Justin Long. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the main, he's the one who gets, well. He's in Tusk as well. Yes, I need to see Tusk. Mm. I've heard it's not great, but it's, I I didn't. It start the first half is good, and then it devolves in the second half. Yeah. Though Johnny Depp with a penis for a nose is interesting. Johnny Depp with a penis for a nose. Yeah. So Johnny Depp agreed to do the film for um, what's his name? Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. Uh, but when he arrived, he had his own uh, makeup guy or makeup person. And he was like, look, I, I don't know what your view is on this, Kevin, but what do you think of this? And he had the makeup guy make him an, like a long, an elongated nose with a shaft at the end that, and, a, and a line that made it look like a penis. And Kevin Smith was like, you're Johnny Depp and you're a legend and that's funny, so you keep it, mate. Yeah. So, and, and to be fair, maybe Johnny Depp did it so that he wasn't as recognisable in the film in yeah. case it was shit. But yeah, he, basically Johnny Depp appears in this film with a penis nose. I must see it now. Yes. That's uh, that's the most interesting thing in the film. <laughs> so, obviously Reaper is all pissed off at him. Uh, meanwhile, Goat's light goes out, because that's another typical horror film bit you always get. For some reason, the tech just goes wrong right now. Yeah. Uh, just as a creature comes up on him and bites him in the neck, and it leaves leech-like spores all over his neck. Reaper manages to kill it, uh, and they drag Goat back to the med lab, telling the civilians to evacuate to the Ark. Okay, I think we might have missed a bit here, because at what point did they gather civilians? There were civilians, so there were other scientists and stuff. Um, We've only talked about zombie scientists. Did they find some living ones? There were some living ones, yeah. You see we them forgot right... to mention that. Well, to be honest, it, it's not particularly relevant, because they're only in the sort of, they're in the safe zone. Right. Uh, in fact, there's a, a another female scientist who helps uh, Samantha at the beginning of looking after Goat. Okay. And then Samantha says to her, like, like no, go be with your son or yeah. daughter, I can't remember what it is, be with your kid. Um, she's like, but do you think my husband, which is apparently another scientist guy behind the wall, with all the monsters? Do you think it's all right? She's like, I'm sure she's okay. Go be with your son. I'll look after this. Clearly, he's not okay. Yeah. But Okay. So they send the civilians. So there are others, but there's... We don't... Here's the thing. This film doesn't really establish them either. 
No. They're sort of a bit there, and then this scene is sort of the most I, establishing we've I got. I feel that. like they're there just to serve a purpose at the end. Yes, that's all they're there for, because yeah. they serve no other story purpose. So uh, they all trundle off to the Ark, and Samantha Grimm tries desperately to save Goat, but unfortunately he passes away on the operating table. Meanwhile, destroy, Destroyer Kid and Portman go to secure the entrances to the surface. Yeah. And they're told to, that they, they think that whatever those things are might have come in from the surface. At this point, they still don't know what they are. Mm. So it's like, make sure that to shut down and lock, secure the, the entrances to the yeah. surface because they think it might have come from outside. So at this point, this is where we get some really good flirty banter between Duke and Samantha. Yeah. And she asks him to get her a bone saw. Bone saw is ready. Uh, and he says to her, um, that I, I believe the exact quote is he goes, she asked him for a bone saw and he goes, a bone saw? I've been waiting for you all my life. <laughs> now, I don't understand. Is a bone saw a sexual manoeuvre? No, a bone saw is what you cut bones. No, with. I know what a bone saw actually is, but like his, his No, joke... no, I think he's just like, fuck yeah. Good. But bone saw there doesn't something... even sound sexy. No, but there's something about girls with power tools that is inherently sexy. Is there? Okay. Do you not think so? Nope. It's like girls with guns as well. Nope. No, not even Kate Beckinsale in Underworld. Kate Beckinsale is hot, but not because she has guns. She's hotter without them. But I'm not a fan of guns. But guns? Oh, it's fine. Yeehaw! Some people find that attractive fine, but no, no, no I, I don't get it. Maybe that's why I missed it. Yeah, but I'm fine. a fan of girls who kick ass. That's, that's my I point. don't mind girls kicking ass. It's oh. just like weapons aren't my bag. Yeah. Not or my, power tools. They're not my bag, man. Yeah, I, I don't... I mean, a woman who's been sanding doesn't make me all hot and under the collar. Does it not remind you of the push me and then just touch me? No, because they, they were doing gym workouts in that video. No, no, yes. no. No, yes. that's call on me. You're thinking of call on oh, me. Yeah. Uh, satisfaction is women with power tools. There's a, there's a woman in a low-cut top using a pneumatic drill. Yeah, didn't do anything. And everything's just jiggling yeah, all yeah. over the place. She needs didn't, to secure those problems. I'll be honest, it didn't do anything for me. All right, gay. I know, I know it sounds a bit gay, but no, it's, it's like, not gay. Don't be ridiculous. No, it's super gay, but no, no it's so. It's, yeah, it's just something about women and power tools and things like that doesn't do anything for me. I know that what other if people. You do, have but... the power tool, and you're well, like, well, I don't want to take a fucking bandsaw to a woman. No, That'd be no, weird. Let me finish. What if you've got the power tool and you're you're the big strong man helping her out by putting up IKEA shelves for her? Nope. No, that's no. not part of your fantasies, fair enough. No, I just want to fuck a woman. I don't want to sit there doing her fucking furniture. Mm, I, have you got a number one fucking dowel for this Ikea fucking wardrobe for you, darling? Mm, oh, in the slot. There's always a piece of wood missing from Ikea furniture. Don't worry, baby, I've got a piece of wood for you. Where's the Alan key? Alan, 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 Steve, 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 Steve. We're back to this Carl Urban rock porn, aren't we? Yeah, right. It's going to keep happening. Doom the porno. I think we should. Doom I think we the should, porno. I think we should start pitching it to studios because clearly two Doom films didn't make any money. But Doom the porno. Doom the porno. Uh, anyway, you know what this place is? It's hell. It always was. If you say it like um, Cheyenne Mountain, Brokeback Mountain. Instead of, I wish I could quit you, it's, it's this place, it's hell, it always was. It's, <laughs> suddenly, it's, you've changed Doom. 
Um, so he goes and gets the bone saw and, ah, jump scare as a creature attacks him. Uh, but they managed to kill the creature in the nano wall. Like we didn't see that coming from the moment that girl got her arm trapped in it right at the beginning. Yeah, so they- the nano wall is basically like this walk-through wall. It looks it's semi-transparent, but there's a button that they can press, basically. That makes it solid. That makes it solid. And as the creature comes in, half of it gets stuck in. They make it solid while the creature is still halfway through yeah. it. So it's basically trapped the creature, possibly killed it. Yeah, which I find interesting because in my mind, that should actually bisect the creature. Yeah, you'd think it'd chop it in half. Having said that, part of it still moves in a, a yeah. later scene. It does, you're so right. So I, it's just stuck in it. I think it's right. just stuck in it, but they never really... No, they don't. No, no. So Sarge comes and kills it later. Right. It's something about these films based on horror games where they love to kill villains with doors. Yes. You'll understand that when we get to Resident Evil, the final chapter. Um, Oh, no. (laughs) It's not an MDF door, is Um, it? So at this point, Sarge finds Pinky, and obviously all the civilians are there, and he says, he tells him to blow up the Ark with grenades if any monsters appear. Then he goes to get the BFG. Yeah. The big friendly giant. Meanwhile, go- I mean that technically would that not normally be the Rock's character, the big friendly kind giant of. Um, then the goat revives in the med lab. So goat was the religious one who died. Yep. Uh, he comes back as a partial demon, and this is what I'm saying about this has got quite Resident Evil vibes because the, the reanimated yeah the monsters are reanimated humans. Um, he attacks. No, he doesn't attack Duke and Samantha. You think he's going to attack Duke and Samantha, yeah. but he actually has enough of his humanity left to realise he's turning. Yeah, so he starts trying to kill himself by headbutting the glass, the glass and I think he succeeds, doesn't he? he yeah, does he, he ends up braining himself on the glass enough that he actually dies and doesn't mm. fully transform. If you want to see a horror film with an absolutely brutal headbutting scene, and when I say brutal... I mean so brutal that the actor, Robert Carlyle, had to go to hospital for a concussion. Then you want to watch the Doom porno. And they had to stop filming for the day. Uh, You should watch 28 Weeks Later. Right. Um, 28 Days Later is a better film, but 28 Weeks Later has got an incredible opening. And it's got this incredible moment where, spoiler, Robert Carlyle's character gets infected. um, And... When people get infected in that universe, they they fly into a rage and they get really erratic. He starts, like, basically he's in a morgue, I think, and there's the metal morgue drawers, and he just starts, and he did this for real, this is not fake, he just starts slamming his head over and over into these metal drawers, hard enough to dent the fucking drawers, and apparently literally knocked himself clean out. They had to stop filming for the day, and he had to go to hospital for a concussion. And it is so visceral when you see it on the screen. Yeah. Um, Yeah, 28 weeks later isn't as good as 28 days later, but as far as Americans taking over another country's film series... It's not bad, because obviously 28 Days Later is British through and through. Yeah. Whereas 28 Weeks Later, while it is still set in Britain, is made by an American production company. It's got a bunch of American actors in it, like Jeremy Renner, who right. went on to become Hawkeye. Yep. Uh, he's in it. Um, but it's they're a couple of good films. We should watch them sometime. Okay. Um, meanwhile, so this was another bit where I was just like, this is where you're making characters needlessly stupid just so you can get a kill scene. Yep. Portman, uh, so that's our greasy guy, decides that now is the perfect time to take a dump. 
a fucking dump in the middle of all this chaos, he decides he's going to go for a shit. He just can't hold it. He's turtling, okay? Yeah, so what I find interesting about this, specifically uh, from a Marine's point of view, though I'm not a Marine, that's not me saying from my Marine's point of view, but from what I know of Marine stuff, generally... The idea is if you're on in a situation like this, at least the SAS have a very similar line. If you're in an issue like this where, you know, death is essentially going to happen and you need to be always alert, essentially you shit yourself. Yeah, just shit yourself. Yeah. And while that's not pleasant and it would have made <laughs> like a worse film. <laughs> just, to let just, the, just to let the audience out, a, a, a fairly old woman, like a decent looking woman, uh, as in a decent person, eight, not yeah. hot, uh, walked past our, our As you our said, room. you just shit yourself. <laughs> yes, I said shit yourself. And, she and the windows in. are wide open and she looked in and everything. Just shit yourself, Jamie. <laughs> what's, what's your problem? To be fair, to be fair to Richard Brake's character here, would the smell of the dookie in your pants attract the monsters to you more? Probably turn them off. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to bite somebody who shat himself. <laughs> good point, good point. Although, we don't need that in our DNA. No, to be you fair, shit yourself over there, Richard Brake. To be fair, if you're a flesh-eating monster, you just you get the shit either way because you eat it while it's still inside them. Where you're just chomping great big chunks out of them. Having you? said that, they don't actually eat them. They throw out a leech. They do to infect That sucks them. on the neck, yeah. So we're at the one hour mark, and this is where Sarge officially gets the big fucking gun. Yeah. At the one hour mark, okay? Portman's in the toilet, he's taking his dump, uh, and while he's in there, he records a log, because, oh, guess what? Not not a poo log. <laughs> That's, Cap- that, that can be taken one or two Captain's ways. Captain's log. Captain's log. <laughs> Portman uh, log. No. So he records a log, um, because, surprise, surprise, the skeeviest member of the team is also a double agent. No, he's not a double agent. to somebody else. No, it's not that. Um, what it is, is... Earlier on, uh, when when they first find everything's fucked up, he just goes, let's just go back through the arc and blow the place and just like lock it down for a backup. He's like, we are the backup. You know, we're staying. And he t- he basically, oh, he's calling for help, isn't he? Yeah, he's like, we need to call for help. And he's just like, hold your, hold, uh, what's it, holster your fucking gun. And he forces Portman to fall in line. Mm. Uh, so Portman falls in line. But when he goes to the toilet, he's actually using it as an excuse to actually call him for help over Sarge's head. Yeah. That's it, you're right, yeah. you're right. My memory is terrible. Yeah, he's not actually betraying them per se, but he is oh. betraying Sarge's orders. Meanwhile, Destroyer gets attacked by a monster and he's thrown in the electrified jail pit thing that we yep. saw earlier. Uh, this is I quite like this scene, although there is a little bit of ridiculousness. Because in the year 2046, they're still using CRT computer monitors. Yeah, he smacks him with the computer monitor, a bit like... Um some Phoenix does to John Spartan in Demolition Man. To be fair, is that because, let's be honest, it's just not satisfying with a flat screen. It wouldn't have made any sense, you know, using a flat screen that way, but it is, it is a bit like, hang on, did you really think we'd be using CRT? It's probably just because it was yeah. something big and cheap that they had going yeah. around. Uh, but this is a fairly good fight scene, actually, in the film, Oh, I yeah, thought. yeah, not bad. Uh, and... Uh, Destroyer isn't a complete idiot, which a lot of films do. These films do that. Yeah, the first death is normally a moron dying in a moronic fashion, but that's not the case with Destroyer. Uh, He manages to stab the monster with a pipe, pinning it to the wall, which he then tries to use. Very let off some steam, Bennett. Yeah, he then tries to use the pipe as leverage to climb out. Is that right? Uh, I think he kind of bumps off of it to climb up the... There's a like a hook chain coming from yeah. the ceiling. So he's climbing up the chain to try and escape. But unfortunately, he is grabbed and killed. Yes. Yeah, he doesn't um, make it. But it doesn't take him over. That comes up a bit later. But yeah, it doesn't fully take him over because Samantha works out later on that um, they're choosing who to mutate. Yes. 
There's there's a part of that that comes up a bit yeah. later. Meanwhile, Portman's still on the toilet. Here's the monsters roaring after it's killed Destroyer, at which point his bowels promptly open and all the shit slides right out because of that roar. That doesn't actually happen in the film. But Don't okay. you hear spl- a bunch of splashing? No. I made that up, did I? Yeah, okay. you made that up, but it, so, that's a nice visceral image for the audience there. So he drops his ammo and starts trying to crawl under the stalls to get to it, but he's then pulled up into the ducks, very alien style. Yeah. Um, and I believe Pinky is seeing it on, on the CCTV, monitor, yeah. doesn't he? And he smiles. Yeah, he's because, laughing. Because earlier, he was, he was a was rude a bastard to him. him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I still don't think you'd be like, oh, well, fuck him. No. It's like, no, that's that's coming for you, Pinky. So they all run back to the med lab and realise that the monster stuck in the nano wall is the former Dr. Carmack. I think they notice it's ear missing. Yeah, so because it's ear missing, and yeah, so it's like, that's clearly the same person, the same as the woman. Yeah. And we start to get real arguments going here because uh, Samantha and Reaper are a bit like, well, we need to study it, see if it can be reversed. And Sarge is like, hell no, no reversal, this is over. It may even be reversible. It's irreversible. Not necessarily. Dr. Carmack's condition is irreversible. Because Carmack's condition is that... He's dead. And then he blows his fucking brain out, doesn't he, through his mouth? Yeah, and you know what made the scene better? If he'd have blown his brain out and then just done the famous cocked eyebrow and gone, if you smell what the rock what the is, duck is cooking. cooking. Do you know what would be brilliant? If the fight, I'm going to skip ahead slightly, but you know the final fight scene of this film? Do you know what made it a better film? The rock's about to square off with Carl Urban and suddenly a glass shattering, dun, 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 and fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin comes in. I mean, that would have changed the film, but <laughs> Stone yeah. Stone Cold versus The Rock. Anyway. I think Stone Cold was still in the dark. WWE no, no, he left before one. The Rock. Oh, did he? Okay. I think. Uh, anyway, um, so we're now starting to see real, real um, falling out amongst the team, basically. Yeah, they're starting to um, form a bit of disarray. This is the part where Reaper has the line. Christ, don't you get it? It's this place. It's hell. It always was. Which is terrible. Like, they're so... They're trying to shoehorn in... The sort of doom hell reference. They're trying to make it a metaphorical hell, but in the game, it is literal hell. Yeah, and they go through a portal yeah. to hell. Uh, yeah, and uh, unfortunately, it doesn't work, and it's quite shoehorned in. Also, that line, I believe, that particular line is shoehorned in where it doesn't make sense. Yeah. He just like throws it out there amidst a couple of like, sentences if from I'm, Samantha. If I'm right, actual Doom the game doesn't actually take place on Mars. It takes place on the two moons of Mars, doesn't it? Phobos and Deimos. Uh, yes, yes yeah. it does. I, I think that it, some of it takes place on Mars itself. But it I don't, don't think it does until Doom 2. I'm sure no, you're Doom right. No, yeah, Phobos, it's Phobos Deimos, and Deimos. Yes, yes, you're right. Though hell is Mars. No, no, they go through a portal to literal hell, like another dimension hell. No, Doom 2, is that not, is Doom 2 not hell on Earth? Oh, it is, you're right. Yeah, so, yeah, hell, the portal they go through takes them to Mars. I see, I see, I see. Um, so anyway, but you are right; it does include the uh, moons of Mars. Yeah. So Duke and Kid are in trouble. Like, first of all, how the fuck has Kid survived this long? Uh, Duke and Kid are trying to. Uh, they get sent to kill the scientists, the ones that were sent to wait for the Ark. Yeah. Yes. Because uh, Sarge is basically like, right, quarantine procedures, like it's fucking COVID nineteen. Um, we can't let anyone get to Earth who might be infected. Yeah. So, Which makes sense. So he's like, kill everyone. Which does and make sense. Reaper is, of course, like, 
whoa, like, yeah. what are you We can about? verify who is infected and who isn't. But yeah. he's like, nope, we kill all of them. Um, and he really is getting very intense at this point. And this is where I think the monkey blood thing earlier is starting to affect him. Yeah. Because there is something else that affects him for the end battle. But at this point, he's not been directly infected. So I think he's getting a slow psychosis transformation from the monkey blood is the idea. Right. Um, that's I, I have a slightly different theory, but we'll get there. Some people think there. that he's just slight Because that is also mentioned. Uh, so when they figure out that the... Um, that the uh, like this this mutation is choosing its targets, uh, you know why did it mutate so and so but not destroyer? It's because um, basically it mutates negatively anyone with uh, laden sort of psychos uh, what's it psychopathic or narcissistic tropes, whereas those who uh, don't have those tropes such as destroyer. It if it was to mutate them, it mutate them into the good form. Yeah. So it's like it, it it basically either makes you a monster or it makes you you know a godly like uh, whatever. Fully enough, that doesn't happen to anyone. <laughs> it happens to Reaper. Happens, he? Yeah, he's not godly though. No, but it's it's that sort of thing. It makes yeah. him super strong, super healing, all this stuff. Yeah. Whereas, uh, so that's the idea. But if it if it you've got un, uh, sort of these psychological negative tropes, then it would make you into a monster instead. Um, so, but they can, yeah, yeah. So that's basically that. So basically what happens here, cause we're almost at that bit actually. Yeah. Um, so Duke and Kid go off to make sure the scientists are dead. Samantha is busy getting the rest of the data. Reaper and Sarge, they rush to the Ark just as a monster is cutting through. They find Pinky has gone missing. Yeah, Pinky's calling that something's cutting through the door and they rush to there to try and stop it. And he just says, whatever you do, Pinky, use a grenade. You can't get back through to the civilian population. Blow it up with the grenade. Um, they get there and he hasn't used a grenade. No, he's, he's gone through the portal, hasn't he? Yeah, and he's yeah he's missing and there's no grenade gone off very yeah. Um Now, this is the point where Samantha notices that the 24th chromosome makes some people into monsters, but non-psychotic people get killed. Yes. As, uh, as in they don't get infected. Um, and she says 10% so this was a, th- this yeah, is the part because I did the research on that bit yeah this is the part that you're going to this is the hard to swallow part of Doom can yes. I say the quote or do no you no go ahead part? go ahead so basically what she says is she goes 10% of the human genome is still unmapped some say it's the genetic blueprint for the soul now for me personally and I can see you've got some research here yep I did so we'll have a quick look at that in a minute but for me this was it didn't ruin the film, but it was a, oh, come on, yeah, moment. Blueprint for the soul. For the soul. Like, it was a bit too... <sighs> Why would the soul need DNA? Yeah, what? and this is not a universe where we... Ha- if you're not going to do demon, basically, if you're doing a world with souls, why not just do demons? Yeah. Uh, but I can see you've done some research. Do you want to talk about yeah, this yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah, um, So... I did look that up because I like a bit of science. I'm not a scientist by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so all of this will be super layman's terms uh, and possibly a bit incorrect. But as as basically a layman can understand it. Um, but yeah, basically by the year 2000, there was something called the Gen- Human Genome Project where they tried to map the entire human genome. It's a huge part of the main conspiracy in the X-Files. Oh, okay, fair enough. So, huge part of the X-Files storyline. So, yeah, you've definitely heard of that then. Uh, It got to about 90%, roughly. By 2003, they'd managed to map the the rest of what they could, which ended up at 92% of the human genome done. So that's before this film was made, 2003. So it's not 
90% of the human genome is mapped and 10% left, it's 8% left and 92% done. But fine, whatever. 10% is is fine. Um, however, in uh, 2021, May 2021, they reckon they've mapped out the other 8%. So they've actually eight percent turned out to be COVID nineteen. <laughs> yes, no. Uh, so by the time that this film is meant to be set, twenty forty six, we've already got the hundred percent of the human genome mapped out. Wow! Right. So that's not a thing anymore. Yeah. Um, so that was wrong, but that's fine because that's a limitation of the time period and the science they had at the time. Yeah. However, do you want to know what's in the other eight percent of the human genome? If you tell me it's the actual genetic blueprint for the soul, I'm going to scream. Well, I'll tell you, it's the genetic blueprint for the soul, Jamie. No, it's not. Um, essentially, what it is, the reason that it's hard to map, if you think of code cracking as an example, it's the random frat crap left over. No, 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 no. So, if you when you, the more data you have to work with, generally the easier it is to crack a code. Because, oh, okay. Because you've yeah, got, that makes sense. Yeah, because if you're looking, say, something random is the letter A, you've got more instances or more more chances of an instance of that appearing. So, you, and in context, you can figure out, well, that's actually in that, that, and that should be the letter A, so that's clearly the letter A. That's a very mild version of code cracking. Obviously, there's a, people way more into it than me and who would know a lot more. But essentially, the longer something is, generally, the more chance you've got of cracking the code. Now, the reason that's important is uh, with the human DNA and human genome, there's uh, where each strand is, there's pinch points. Yeah. The pinch points are usually, for the majority of human DNA, the pinch points are in the middle. So you have an equal amount of code each side. So you've got quite a lot of code, one each side of this pinch point, and it's easy enough to verify. However, some of that genome, the pinch point is further one end or the other. Sometimes quite extremely. So you'll, uh, on a certain piece of genome code, you'll have one that's very close to, say, the left side. There isn't really a left side, but you know what I mean. Just for layman's sake. Yeah. The pinch point is really close to the left side. So you have an awful lot of information about the right-hand side because it's huge and that's easy to decode. But the left-hand side, you've only got a couple of letters. So you've very hard to decode, like, what does this all mean? Generally, once they finish mapping those out, apparently they're all mostly repeat letters and backup letters for the rest of the code. Right. So I think they're, I mean, I don't know this, but from what I read, it seemed to be not necessarily waste code, but backup for any faulty data. Yeah. So in theory, this is, in theory, that could be how the body heals itself. Maybe. Like if something happens with the genetic code, it's a way of supplement or replacement. I don't know. Mm. Again, someone who is into genetics and who is a scientist will know a lot more than me. I'm going to confirm it. That means that we're uh, about 10 years away from them being able to regrow human arms. Well, like a chameleon. So technically humans have the ability to regrow limbs, Mm. Um, but it's turned off in our DNA. God. Damn it. It's, this is the weird thing. Anything an animal can do, genetically we could potentially do. Oh, yeah, they did a... But they have to... It's deactivated in our DNA if we can't currently do it. Remember you bought Voyager up earlier? Yes. Oh, shit. Don't get scared of my oh, pussy poos. The cat just scared me. Oh, come here, Mushka. <laughs> my cat's coming and shatting. Yeah, he's, he, uh, don't worry, I like the cat, but it snuck in so quietly. And I, a little ninja, isn't I, I looked down there expecting not to see anything, and there was just this cat. Yeah. Um, yes, you, you got away with bringing up Star Trek. I'm going to bring up Doctor Who very quickly. It's 
funny you saying that about uh, all the code being left in. Mm. Uh, there's actually an episode of Doctor Who, the new Doctor Who, in uh, season three. There's an episode called The Lazarus Experiment, which is about a man called Richard Lazarus who tries to invent a machine that will reverse the aging process. Right. But what he accidentally ends up doing is unlocking all that dormant code. And the way the, way the Doctor explains it is that your DNA, it holds all the possible combinations of everything that humans ever could have evolved into. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So things that, you know, nature started to evolve you and they went, actually, no, that doesn't work. And went, but yeah. and he ends up becoming some sort of prehistoric scorpion monster. Oh, okay. <laughs> fair enough. Admittedly is not very well CGI'd. No, but, <laughs> but at least the idea, the idea is sound. It's a cool it's idea. Just, yeah. It's a cool idea. Fair enough. Well, Sarge decides I need to kill everyone just to be sure. Sarge, Kid and Duke start shooting corpses. They've gone through the arc. Sorry, I should mention this. They've gone through the arc uh, and back to the the main base on Earth. However, the Earth, the Earth base is still in quarantine and lockdown. Uh, so Sarge, Kid, and Duke start shooting all the corpses while um, Reaper grabs Samantha and the Data and starts pulling them back to um, basically to get her out and back to the arc so that they can join Sarge and the others. Um, Duke finds Pinky alive in a mass of bodies on the floor. They verify that he's not been um he's not been injured, he's not been bitten basically by the the villains. And Kid finds a bunch of survivors who beg him to help in locked inside of a a, a safe room. Uh so when they verify that Pinky's got no bites on his neck or anything else. He explains what happened. He said, oh, I'm not a soldier. There's nothing I could do. So I just ran, you know, I, d- I didn't do anything. You know, I couldn't do anything else. I didn't want to die. Um, Sarge aims his gun. He's going to kill Pinky anyway. And they're like, look, we can verify he's clean. He's fine. He's like, we take out everybody. And then he, um, he's set on a course of action now and nothing will stop him. Um, <coughs> Not all, not all the reasoning and logic in the world will get him to change his mind now. No. So Kid comes along and tells him about the survivors as well. Found a room of survivors. He goes, did you clear the sector? And he's like, well, no, they're, they're fine. We, j- we just need to come again. And he's like, I told you to clear that area. And he just like, ve- like pushes that. Basically, go kill them. That's your job. It turns out there's a tense moment where Kid's like, what the hell? He's like, go kill them. Just fucking do it. Uh, Kid refuses to murder them, and because he refuses to murder the innocent civilians, Sarge shoots him through the throat, killing him. So how we, did any of the drug stuff impact this? It did nothing. His story would have been exactly the same, wouldn't Without it? Without the drugs, yeah. And having said that, to be honest, this is a bit where I actually give massive props to the Doom movie. I did not see this coming when I first watched this movie. The idea that he would, like, I knew Sarge was getting a bit aggy, but I did not think he was going to murder a unit in his own crew. Okay. Um, and when he did, in this moment, I was like, oh shit, I just got real. Um, so yeah, I, I, I will give Doom props for that. It, it surprised me, and that's quite hard to do. It like generally doesn't happen in these sort of pop flicks. Um, yeah, did it surprise you when it first happened, when you first saw the film? Uh, or? To be honest, it was so long ago that I first saw it. I, don't um, I think not, because I, I, I definitely cottoned on to what was happening, which was that uh, the, the Sarge is... To, he's basically proving 
uh, as we've said already, it tends to be choosing to infect people who are predisposed to evil. Yes. Uh, and what this film does well, I'll give it this, is we start off thinking Sarge is a good guy. You know, he just follows orders. We see he's friendly to Reaper. Yeah. But as we go, we start to see that he's not a good guy and cluelessly following orders is not what good people do. No. Uh, and then he expects that same obedience in return when he's actually like, are you questioning me? I said, clear the sector, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I kind of figured this was, I didn't think there was going to be a last minute save. I thought this was the way it was going to go. Okay, no, fair enough. Uh, what I like about Rock being in that role as well is, again, he's very charismatic, very likable as a, like, as far as his on-screen charisma, I've obviously never met him, I'm sure he's very likable in real life as well, but as far as his on-screen charisma, he's very, very charismatic, very, he seems very nice, and he plays that very well, so to see him go into being the psycho is quite a nice and interesting shift. Like, I didn't see it coming because it's The Rock as much as anything else. Yeah, he hardly ever plays villains. No. Uh, so that was always that was also good fun. Uh, so as Pinky tries to stop the tension, because Reaper is now going to try and shoot The Rock, and The Rock is going to try and shoot Reaper, um, Pinky pulls out a pistol, and he's just like, all right, both of you drop your weapons, stop, you know, blah, 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 and they all look above him, and he's just like, oh, it's behind me, isn't it? And then he gets killed by a monster. That was very cheese and very obvious. Um, the, the team give chase to the monster, now working together just because, you know, the monster takes priority at this point over killing Sarge or Reaper. Uh, and Duke is pulled into the floor and killed, like he gets pulled through a grate. Mm-hmm. And that's the end. That's a kind of unceremonious death for Duke. Sarge is then pulled through the nano wall into the horde. I'm not supposed to die. Which I thought was a fun line. It's probably a bad line, but actually it's like, yeah, I get it. You're the rock. Yeah, no, I, were, I get it. Quote unquote the hero. I get it. Such, he's but... the leader. It shows another example of his arrogance, you know. He yeah. he's the leader of the team, so he thinks he's safe. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and also, I thought it was kind of a nod to the fact that you imagine he was going to be the main character, so he's not supposed to be Well, you do. He's, he's front and center on the DVD cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's what. I, so it's kind of both, isn't it? It's like a hint to his arrogance, but also a nod. You know, to the, the main. Audience. Yeah, the main character never dies. Wink, wink. Uh, so that was that was fun. Reaper and Samantha then retreat into a, a, a temporary, at least temporarily, a safe room. But Reaper has been injured. Samantha then injects him with chromosome 24 to save him from bleeding out, and he passes out. Because she has faith that she has faith he's that. a good person and he won't mutate. Yeah, and he's like, I've done bad things, I've killed people, I've done this and that. She's like, I don't care, I, I trust you. So, we then get to the first person shooter sequence. Mm. Which admittedly has some ropey CGI. Does it? Mm. When's the CGI? It's the just... Pinky demon, or...? No, there's just some bits where they're walking around and the CGI is not great. I didn't think there was any CGI in this section. I thought it was all practical. It took them 14 weeks to film. No, that can't be right. You, you'd, sh- you'd shut a film like Doom down if it took that long. So uh, Stanley uh, Kubrick gets to go that far over schedule, not Doom. Maybe it's 14 days. Let me double check. 14 days sounds more likely. Sorry, you're right. 14 days to shoot the first person shoot. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, considering it's about five minutes... Is yeah. quite, you know, it, it's interesting that it took that long. Nowadays, you'd probably do it with some actors in front of. Uh, you remember? You, have you seen the big curved mm. uh, screen wall that Disney used for things like The Mandalorian? Yeah, you'd probably do it in front of that to save time and 
so the backgrounds would be animated and you just throw actors in in front of it. So this sequence, I love this sequence. Yeah. I've never seen it be done before or since in a film, to be fair. Free guy. It didn't do this. Not as long, not as long, but they do a first-person shooter sequence. It's not like this. It does No, it doesn't classify. doesn't know where near does it classify like this. This is way better than that. Oh, this is better, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's still a first-person shooter sequence. When? When, when the two coppers are chasing Ryan Reynolds up the stairs. Mm. And he gets his boost jump jumps. Doesn't it count. Is, it, it does. I don't think it does. It's not as good. Don't get me wrong. Doom is superior, but it's... Doom, they actually it did is, it. It is a first-person shooter sequence <sighs> from the point of view of if you were Playing. the character of the game. But this does it practical. This is largely Did practical. They not do it? Yeah, they probably green screened it in Free Guy. Yeah, it's, it's probably all CGI in, in Free Guy. Mm. Whereas this was practical. It was almost all practical. Right. Um, the monster uh, monsters are all suits, things like that. It's, I'm pretty certain it's all practical in this. With a couple of CGI bits, obviously. Um, anyway, this sequence, I love it. Um, I do agree that anyone who has watched this and goes, that's not very Doom-like. It's not very Doom-like, because the filming overall isn't very Doom-like. Um, it is more House of the Dead. As I say, there's bits where like the camera turns and there's just a zombie looking at the camera going, <laughs> and then he shoots the guy's head open. And it's like, why would a villain be sitting just standing there giggling in your face? Or if he's just a man sitting there giggling, maybe he's not deserving of death. It's a weird choice. Um, but also, isn't it strange that there's so many of these mutated villains in this, it's like, was is almost everyone psychotic apart from a very small minority, maybe? Yeah, the film starts to fall apart under its own logic here. Yeah, um, but it, it, so it, is, if, if, it, is a, it is a fairground haunted house slash House of the Dead ride rather than a Doom first-person shooter sequence. Um, the unrated edition, now, did your, does your edition have the Pinky Demon fight? I don't remember. There's a big pink flesh monster with um, Dexter Fletcher's wheelchair. So Dexter Fletcher is mutated. Yes, I remember. I do remember seeing and that. And he chainsaws yeah. its spine. Yeah, I remember seeing yeah. that. Okay, fair enough. I thought that was only in the unrated edition. Um, but yeah, he, yeah, chainsaws the monster and things like that. Reaper then finds Sam and Sarge then finds him. Reaper then sees, uh, sees Sarge has been bitten in the neck. So Sarge has survived, but he has been bitten. Uh, Sarge explains that he killed the other survivors, and he's that that basically leaves just the three of them left. Um, and there's a, there's basically there's a build up to a big fight. There's a line by Sarge which I will I I want to add in for worse lines. Simplify, motherfucker. I laughed my fucking ass off when he yelled it. Simplify, motherfucker. Yeah, like yourself, I laughed with that. Um, now, do you know what Semperfy means? Like the literal translation for Semperfy. Uh, I know, no, I know it is. I know it is like the motto of the Marines. Yes, and I know they yell it a lot. Uh, Semperfy. So sympathy. No, no. So Semperfy is short for Semper Fidelis. Uh, Fidelis the, is truth. Uh, no, no, it's Latin for always faithful or always loyal. Uh, but if you then translate that and put it in, it's always faithful, motherfucker. 
which is even worse. It's like, no, that doesn't work, mate. What are you doing? Uh, Semperfy motherfucker has to go into our Hall of Fame of yeah. worst lines. It's hilarious. Yeah. I enjoy it from a cheese factor, but it is yeah. a terrible line. I'd rather him have said, can you smell what the rock is cooking? To it would have made more sense in the scene, to be honest. Uh, Reaper sends Sarge back to Mars with a grenade, which kills him after a big, big fight that they have. Yeah, so let's just talk about this fight. Talk about the fight, yeah. It's, it's not a bad fight. It's not a great fight. It is overly drawn out in places. There's a lot of just big men looking tough and slowly lumbering towards each other. There was clear that wasn't a lot of choreography for an actual fight sequence as such. It's not a martial arts movie anyway, Uh, by any stretch. At no point does he do the people's elbow, which disappointed me, Uh, or at least the rock bottom. Uh, There is a fairly cool bit where he wraps... Uh, he wraps metal rebar around his arm. Yes. And then, Uses that to try and spike through Carl Urban's throat, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and Carl Urban spikes it through his own hand. Yes. And then so to basically to attach him to the rock. Yeah. Uh, and there's a good... Sh- there's a shot in it I like because it, w- what's supposed to be happening is the rock's in complete denial about the fact he's mutating, isn't he? Yeah, it? he's still okay in his own mind. Yeah, but, he is slowly but throughout mutating. the film, he's mu- throughout the, the scene. scene, he's mutating. You see his gloves start to split. Yeah, um, his eyes go yellow and he gets yeah. fangs, doesn't he? So the, the, the shot I like is... You, it, it looks like they did a fairly subtle makeup job, actually, because throughout the fight, he, he looks very much just like the rock, but he also looks different. <coughs> and then there's a great bit... And this is right at the end of the fight, where I think that this is where they're attached together. And I, um, Carl Urban's looking into his face, and you get a close up, like a real tight close up of the rock's eye. Yes. Um, to the point where you can actually see all the muscle fibers in the iris, Eyeball, yeah. which is gross and cool at the same time. And they change color to yellow, like you say, yeah. like he's fucking Albert Wesker up in this bitch. Yeah. Uh, and we zoom out and he's got, as you say, the fangs. It looked like his ears have gone a bit pointed as well. Yeah, and his and he's skin's brow, gone a bit paler, hasn't it? His skin's gone like a pinkish color. Yeah. He's, and he's got like a more prominent brow ridge. Yeah. He's getting obviously more alien looking. Yeah. As, yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, we don't get to see what that leads to. No, because, because he gets thrown through the. He gets back, thrown back to Mars with a grenade, um, yeah. and basically, the and then Mars is detonated by like a nuke or something. Yeah, so, so not the whole planet Mars. No, the no, base. just the, yeah, the base that he was transported to. Uh, so he ends up dying, and that's bye bye rock, bye bye dinosaurs. Uh, so Reaper then carries Samantha. Uh, who's been injured and is wounded, uh, carries her into a lift, and as the lift goes, I think it's ascending, it might be descending, I think it's ascending, it must be ascending, um, it's going upwards, he just looks at her while she's unconscious in his arms and goes, almost home. And that's the end of the film. And it's like, that's a bit of an abrupt ending, like you've been through yeah. all this shit, we never see the actual resolution. That, my friend, is lack of budget. Lack, yeah, um, and th- this is where it's it feels like, I mean, they with the budget they had, they did really well, considering, uh, you know, I'm impressed with the first person shooter sequence, things like that. Um, but it is very clearly a low budget affair, because like at, you couldn't do a single scene of this is what happened afterwards, like no crawl, no nothing. I suppose it's not needed, but it is a bit odd. It feels a bit abrupt at the end. It's like we've gone through all this shit and it's just like, almost home. Duh, end of film, enjoy yourself, go home and buy something. Cheap. Well, I suppose they were thinking they'd get a sequel and ending it there, you could literally do anything with a sequel. You could choose to set it right where that one ends and have them not make it home. Yep. Or you could do what they did, which is Ignore do something completely. else uh, <laughs> about 20 years later. Okay, so here's a question. 
How would you make a Doom movie if it was given to you? Well, I'd cut the drug plot. Yes. Uh, So if I was to do Doom, I would need a bit of a bigger budget, to be honest. Um, I would up the horror and down the action, personally, just because horror is is more my cup of tea. Um, Gothic architecture? Yeah, yeah. I would do the full, this is legitimately set in hell sort of thing. Um, I would have... Uh, yeah, a small cast of beefy guys, um, a couple of beefy women as well, because you've got to be equal these days. Well, Michelle um, Rodriguez would be on it like a shot. Oh, that, that yeah, but that would be the obvious casting. Well, who would you cast as a beefy woman my, nowadays? Well, my girl Kate Beckinsale's a great action She's not hero. beefy. No, she's a great action heroine. Okay, but it's not um, beefy. No, I tell you, you I'd, beefy cast, action women. I'd cast that fucking uh, beefy bitch from... Uh, what do you bitch. call it? Bitch, <laughs> Jesus Christ. What's her name from... Um, she was the villain in... De, 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 oh, in Uncharted. Uncharted. Yes. That, she was in great She was in great shape. Yeah. And she did great stunts. Yeah, get her in it. Yeah, Why no, not? Fair play, fair play. Uh, but obviously you have to have a Doom guy. Yep. Um, if I could, I would get away with not giving him a name and having him just be Doom guy. Yeah. Um, just call him Guy. And then he's the he's guy from Doom, Doom yeah. or Doom guy. Uh, and I would I would have it be an escape narrative. So I would start with them already in the base. Everything's gone to shit, and it's the story of them escaping. Yes, uh, but I like I said I would go and I would. I think back then they were obviously trying to keep everything gritty and more realistic. They were. I would I would have the actual villains from the game. So I would have like flaming skulls yeah. and cyber demons. Well, if you're going into literal hell, you've got carte blanche to do it. So yeah, that the reason they couldn't do actual cyber demons and shit was because they were like, no, we're going to make it more realistic, quote yeah. unquote. And it's like you've ruined it. Like yeah. you've yeah, you've made Resident Evil. You haven't yeah. made Doom. Um, yes, yeah, so I'd do the really worn down gothic looking architecture yes. as well. Uh, well. I'd start off with bases similar to what's in this film. Right. And then, like, very quickly it transfers into going in through hell and all the gothic architecture. So the idea that. Because it does start off in a marine base in the first game on Phobos, I believe. So, uh, but yeah, at, at the very most, like, the, the sets, the style of sets they had in Doom, the movie. Uh, I would only have at the beginning, and then as the the group or the Doom guy has to go through more and more of hell, that's where we see more of the actual gothic architecture and the hellscape, maybe. I mean, it's difficult with Doom, because Doom is, hasn't really got a deep narrative to well into. It was going to have, but John Carmack th- basically had, I think either he or someone else wrote a Bible for the first Doom with a, like, a real huge, deep amount of lore. And then he basically went, yeah, that's great, and threw it away, because he's like, you know what? It's Doom, go shoot things, that's all I care about. Um, Which, you know, arguably was the right move, uh, rather than sit there and go, actually, Doom is a very intellectual process. Yeah, appeal to the plebs. I don't want to think, I just want to be entertained. Well, weirdly enough, Bungie ended up doing that concept with a series called Marathon, where it was essentially, you know, Doom, but it's really intellectual. If you just read all the lore, it's really clever. Uh, And I always found it pompous and shite. Um, But... I have Marathon 2 on the Xbox 360 and it's, yeah, it just, it was sniffing its own farts half the time. And I was just like, yeah, I can see why they threw it out of doom to make it just like, no, just blitz shit. Yeah. Blow things up. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense. Okay. So 
uh, Doom movie, basically our idea would be uh, bring more of the gothic architecture back, make it more horror than just pure action like the Doom movie currently is. Uh, more of the gothic architecture and obviously bring back the demons because the demons are what people wanted to see, not genetic manipulations of human. Uh, worst lines. So we've got a selection here. It's Semper Fi. Semper Fi, motherfucker. I think is the one we should go with. A couple of other options is Big Fucking Gun by The Rock. I guess you gotta face your demons sometime. By Reaper is bad. And Christ, don't you get it? It's this place, it's hell, it always was. Yeah, that's bad as well. Yeah, I think Christ, don't you get it? It's this place, it's hell, it always was. Should definitely go in. Uh, Semperfy, motherfucker. And potentially, though, it's a bit overlong. 10% of the human genome is still unmapped. Some say it's the genetic blueprint for the soul. Yeah, yeah. It's so, ridiculous. the genetic blueprint of the soul is bullshit. This, this place, it's hell it always was. It's just too hammy. Uh, trying to sh- fucking shoehorn in a Doom reference wherever they can. And Semperfy, motherfucker, is just dumb. Um, so, Jamie, in terms of recommendation, would you recommend Doom? If so, why? If not, why not? Doom's a tough one. Because it's not a good film, but it's entertaining. Mm. It's nothing like the game. <laughs> no. But it's a good, solid sci-fi horror action. Yes. So in that sense, I would recommend it because there's plenty of people who are fans of good sci-fi horror action. Um, People who like aliens. This is obviously not on the level of aliens, but stuff like that. Um, But it's not a good... Like, if I've met a hardcore Doom fan, I couldn't look them in the eye and be like, this is accurate to Doom. Yeah, but I I don't think I could recommend it to Doom fans. And I couldn't recommend it to... Sorry, you carry on. On balance, I think I'm going to say yes. Awesome. Yeah, so as I say, I don't think I could recommend it to Doom fans because they'd expect a bit more Doom in their Doom film. But I could recommend it to a general audience, weirdly enough. I reckon it's a general recommendation, yes, from me as well, because um, I find it incredibly fun. Mm. it's dumb it's big it's, burly man action i'll tell you it's really interesting to see it's actually more fun than the resident evil movie as well i would rate this above the original resident i know some people would say otherwise because i love the resident evil movie blah blah i saw that in cinemas i didn't see this in cinemas but this is a better film yeah um it's, it's very, more because it's more fun yeah i agree it's very interesting to see the rock actually acting Yep, and not just being the Rock, which arguably, since he did Fast and Furious, that arguably is what he does now. Is every film he's just the Rock? Yeah, so he's the Rock in Jumanji, he's the Rock in uh, Red... Skyscraper. Yeah, he's there's the Rock in Red Notice. Red Notice, but and and Ryan Reynolds, as you said, is is sort of fallen into that same mold as well. He yeah. plays Ryan Reynolds. There's quite a few actors now that just play themselves. Yeah, uh, the Rock kind of feels like that. But he feels different here. He feels like he's actually acting. He f- yeah, he doesn't feel... He's still got the charisma of The Rock, but he's not... Yeah, he's not just playing Dwayne Johnson, the muscle-bound comedy sort of fun guy. Yeah. There's a lot of heart in the way he tries to pull off a different role. I'd like to see him play more villains. Yeah, I would. I think that might be what it needs, because he's always playing the chunky action hero guys, which, you know, because of the build of him, why not? But actually, I tell you what, if you're going to reboot something like The Terminator, who fucking better to play a new Terminator? He's the arguably the only man big enough nowadays. Batista. No, I, Batista's I, I, too short. No, I actually think Batista... I've met Batista... Well, I say met Batista. I've been near enough ringside watching Batista wrestle. Batista is not short. Trust me, the man's Isn't like... He? He's like six foot four. He's, he's a beast of a man. And I would I argue... I he was short compared to like Chris Pratt and stuff like that. 
He might be a bit shorter than Chris Pratt, but Chris Pratt's quite tall. Oh, is he? Okay. Um, to be honest, if you're actually, talking... Actually, you might be... Ta- yeah, you might be right, actually, about Chris Pratt. If I'd you're just... talking future Terminators, I would I would argue Batista would probably be able to do the villain side of being a Terminator better. Sure. I'm thinking of an evil Terminator here. Yeah, so am I. Uh, or, to be honest, I think... So, let's talk Terminator for a minute, because why not? You're only dying. Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, I prefer Terminator 1 because it's an actual horror film. Yes. Something I've never understood about action films, and this might just be me completely... You know the big action boom of the 80s? So, to me, a good story, like a gripping good story, Mm. is one where the hero is always at a disadvantage to the villain. Yes. And they overcome that. So I never quite understood... That's why Die Hard works. Yeah. Even though you don't like Die Hard. So this is why I never quite understood why why so many of those 80s action films people love them when it's you know human mountain arnold schwarzenegger versus someone like whoever the fuck wears that mesh shirt in um oh in uh, in commando 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 you look at the two of them and you're like well arnie's winning this fight like Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah here's the thing um commando so this is going on another slight sidebar but People talk about how badly a lot of modern films are written. We've talked a lot about that ourselves. Mm. And talk about how um, badly female lead films are written at the moment, where they sort of they start off with every advantage thrown at them, and they don't earn their victory. Mm. Commando is the same. And here's the thing: like, if you take something like Ray's character arc in uh, Star Wars Seven, mm. and you look at Arnold Schwarzenegger's story arc in Commando. It's the same story. Yeah. Except for, you know, we're told that um, Arnie was the best commando in the universe uh, before he retired to be with his daughter. But we've never seen it. No. All we see is what he does in this film, which is mostly superhuman. Yeah. And the, re- and the thing is, is, here's the thing, though. No one would say to you, no, no, watch Commando, but take it seriously. Yeah. It's a piece of art. It's, you know, it's a really intelligent, heartfelt film. No one would ever do that. It's like, no, watch it because it's stupid and cheese and he says silly things. The reason Predator works as an actual good film is because the Predator is huge as well. And it looks like it. And And it's it's got every advantage. Because it's alien and because it's got superior technology, you believe it could be Arnold. Whereas you look at, have you ever seen The Sixth Day? Yes. That nerd never looks like he's going to beat up Arnold Schwarzenegger, He's never supposed to, though, to be fair. Right. But I I do see your point. Like, there's no way he's going to intimidate Arnold Schwarzenegger either. Yeah. And this is what... I've got an advantage because I'm smart. It's like, yeah, but I can just pummel your head in. This is where Paul Anderson went really wrong with his Resident Evil films. He gives Alice all those superpowers, and then you're like, okay, how does any villain stand up to her now? Yeah. Um, I've got ideas, because I've got zombies. Yeah, I've been defeating them for six movies. What else you got? But bringing it back to Terminator real quick. uh, You know, maybe we're barking up the wrong tree, though, because if Terminator 2 proves anything, it's that you don't have to be a hench guy to be a scary Terminator. It, you just Robert have to Patrick have an, is so creepy. It's, it's giving, yeah, but you've got to give your enemy an advantage. If it was just Robert Patrick as a human trying to fight the Terminator, it would have been shit. Yeah, it's yeah. because the character had something else going. You don't have to get the biggest guy to be a powerhouse. Like, if you're going to put The Rock as a hero and have a villain who intimidates him, you wouldn't necessarily try and find a guy bigger than The Rock. You could do that if you wanted, but you'd, you'd be hard-pushed, but you could probably find someone. But that's not how you'd probably go about it. You go, right, The Rock is the hero. How do we intimidate The Rock? You give him someone who might be a bit nerdy and weedy and thinner 
um, but it still has to be in relatively good shape, I assume. But you give them advantages and skills and something creepy that basically... Because you're right, Predator is the ultimate movie where you have men in their prime pristine action men of the era. Yeah, they are all, huge, all yeah, of them. And, and, and any one of them would be a commando that would kick the shit out of anyone in terms of their looks on screen, their screen presence. They you, they would all be the lead in their own action film. In fact, obviously several of them were. Um, and they managed to create a villain where, they null, where the villain nullifies all that machismo by just being better in other ways. And that's important. That you know, and that's something we've lost because again, you're right. The ter- the Predator isn't necessarily bigger than Arnie, but because of the presence of the Terminator and every other Predator and everything he's got, makes him bigger than Arnie. Robert Patrick's role in Terminator Two, same difference. He's a much smaller man than Arnie. There's no way in a one-on-one fight you'd expect him to win, but because of the way they wrote the character, it makes sense that he would actually be intimidating yeah, to Arnie. They, they really get across. The, so something they really get across that I don't think they get across as well in Terminator Three yeah. is the idea that the T1000 is a more advanced model you understand that almost instantly yeah whereas with the tx it was more like well are you that advanced really yeah Over, it's kind of a half and half job isn't it yeah uh, it's interesting to know and we will wrap this up now but it's interesting to know james cameron originally wanted he didn't want arnie originally for the terminator he wanted so at one point the studio he wanted oj simpson yes, at one point and the studio he, said he, he said that he wanted to cast someone who you'd never believe would be a, a murderer or a killer like, but that didn't age well. he always intended it to be somebody of a more natural build because of course if you're skynet and you're trying to send back a machine that will blend in you don't send arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> but um, to be fair if you're looking at so- looking at someone who looks like they could be housing fucking mechanics yeah. in their in their pecs. Yeah. Arnie is the man you So you, you know who he wanted at one point, and I think would have done a... Re- it wouldn't maybe maybe it would have been, been as iconic, yeah. but it would have been good. Uh, he wanted Lance Henriksen at one point. Yes. Uh, Bishop from the Alien films. He was in the film, but not as a Terminator. Yeah, because yeah. Lance Henriksen actually helped him get the financing. When he went to meet with the studio, he got Lance Henriksen to come in with him, dressed in Terminator's, you know, in the leather jacket and the yeah. glasses, and perform the character a bit to show how intimidating he could wow. be. So Lance Henriksen really helped get that film made, yeah. but then the studio were like, we, yeah, you're, a, you're kind of an old guy, like, we want someone... Young, young and upcoming. Yeah. Have you heard about this Arnold Schwarzenegger dude winning all the, the bodybuilding competitions? Yeah. Look at the size of this man. What is wrong with this man? He's huge. Uh, so let's wrap it up there. It's a double recommend from us. Yeah. Worst lines include, uh, Christ, don't you get it? It's this place. It's hell. It always was. Uh, there's 10% of the human genome is still unmapped. Some say it is the genetic blueprint of the soul. And Semper Fi, motherfucker. Uh, those three have to be uh, our worst lines from this film. Uh, so just before we go, thank you very much for listening to us. This is the last episode of season two of VGMP. We Looks are, like we made it. We're going to take a break throughout May. We're going to have a VGMP uh, Plus episode on the 1st of May, which will be Wonder Momo. Uh, but other than that, we Wonder won't... Wonder Momo. Exactly. You'll love Wonder Momo. It's your favourite thing. Uh, and we will uh, be back on the 1st of June with another VGMP Plus, and then we'll continue from there. When we continue in Season 3, we're going to 
uh, move to a fortnightly show. So it won't be every week. It'll be every fortnight instead. And uh, we're only going to focus on feature films rather than TV shows. The reason for that is both me and Jamie, uh, we, as we've said several times, we're within the film industry in the UK at the moment. And we have several projects underway that are reaching production stage. We need a bit more time and a bit, you know, basically we need a better work-life balance in order to uh, get those projects off the ground and actually kickstart our careers. Um, and hopefully that will mean that whatever we say about these films might hold a bit more weight for you uh, if we become successful filmmakers, which is the goal. Uh, but yeah, so essentially we need a bit more time to get those things done. Uh, and on that reg- on that regard, uh, there is a project already out there at the moment. We talk about it every week, but I'm going to pass you back over to Jamie for a moment to talk about his series Haunted, a radio series, uh, which a radio drama series, but kind of an X Files ish sort of thing, really, isn't it? Um, which he stars in. I'm in in July, I believe, is when my character first appears. Uh, but yeah, but there's, so I'll pass you over to Jamie to give you the details of that. I I do recommend listening to it. I've been listening to it so far. It is great fun. Uh, so yeah, over to you, Jamie. Uh, so Haunted the Audio Drama is basically the X-Files meets Doctor Who. It's a serialised audio drama that has various standalone stories in it, but a key storyline that is moving throughout. It follows the adventures of an enthusiastic young podcaster who teams up with a retired paranormal investigator uh, who is living somewhat of an alcoholic reclusive life. Uh, and she drags him out of retirement to begin investigating a mysterious radio broadcast cast where anyone who hears it is driven insane this then later moves on to them investigating various other cases as well by the time you're hearing this we will be well into the second storyline of the first season uh, a soft cry which is a bit more of a procedural crime based type episode which is very exciting Uh, it's available on itunes it's available on uh, podbean it's available on apple it's available on amazon and it's available on spotify and a bunch of others as well if you need to get the rss feed please feel free to message me on twitter at the impala films or on facebook at impala revolution we'd love to have you guys listen yeah and thank you very much please do tune in stick with us um we hope you'll enjoy what we've got coming up uh from june uh we one of the ones that we do have uh, I, i'm gonna run this through jamie but uh independence day in america this year so thank you very much for listening to us uh, for season two of VGMP. We hope you'll join us again in June. Uh, it's only a month's break, but we, we seriously need it. We've been doing this for six months straight every single week. We've never missed a week, apart from one where Jamie had to cover my illness. As you can hear, I'm still not in great health, uh, so we're going to need that time to recuperate and get our projects underway. Um, but, uh, yes, you've had it's six months of content. Hopefully you've enjoyed that and there's a lot more to come. Uh, I am going to try, for Independence Day, I want to watch Gamer because it's got a very American, Americana-style sort of vibe to it with uh, Gerard Butler. I know he's not American, uh, but Gerard Butler's no, but face. It's, it's always hilarious when he tries to do an American accent. Yeah, and his face on the cover is just like mm, duck face. It's so over-American that it has to be done. Um, so yeah, but we, that, that's just a, a sample of what we're going to be doing. Uh, I've been Rory Jocelyn from Cyberpunk Studios. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, my colleague is Jamie Evans from Impala's Films. Say goodbye, Jamie. Goodbye, people. And I, I think there's only one way to say goodbye to everyone at the end of a season, but you'll have to make sure you edit the sounding because just us singing it will be terrible. Okay.
Swing your arms from, from side to side. side. Come, Come on, on let's go. Let's go do the, the Mario. Mario. <laughs> That's a perfect way to say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. So, wait, wait there a minute, I'm about to blow my nose. Oh, go on, blow. Oh. Oh. Thank you. That's right, sweet.